podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe on this Monday. Took a week off making videos, just felt like the right time for a break. It, it was the international break and sure there was some interesting news to speak of. You had Thomas Tuchel returning to coaching uh, with Bayern Munich, Julian Nagelsmann becoming available. Then of course we saw over the weekend some interesting international results. Antonio Conte has been sacked from Spurs. But just felt like the right time to have a little, of a, little bit of a breather. Uh, other than that, in terms of Chelsea-specific news, there wasn't massive stuff to cover last week, unfortunately. But back this week, covering the news, and today's episode is going to be the Q&A. Asked you for some questions last week. Wanted to carry them over, and they haven't kind of gone out of fashion or out of time, effectively. Still relevant to speak about today, so good to get into those. If you are new around here to the YouTube channel, please hit that subscribe button and a notification bell so you don't miss any of the Chelsea content. Hit that like button too if you're enjoying it because it helps new Chelsea fans find the channel. If you're listening on the podcast feed, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. But let's get into your questions. Firstly here, kind of got two questions. You'll, you'll see it on screen now. Both of them related to Joao Felix uh, and Mason Mount. So first one here, how would you feel about signing Felix on a permanent if it meant Mount was sold to, sold to raise funds? And the second one, uh, both from Twitter here, do you think Felix is worth spending 100 million plus on? I've had time to think about this question and kind of think about the right answer to it because I do personally feel that if signing Joao Felix means you lose Mason Mount, I don't think that's a brilliant deal. I really don't. Now, him just signing with Mason Mount, happy days. I think with what we've seen from uh, Joao Felix so far, he scored at the weekend for Portugal. There's no denying I think he's improved Chelsea. And I also think for what he's offered has been influential. I think at times he's been a little bit unlucky. At times, some of his decision making hasn't been brilliant. But you've got to factor that in with the context that he only arrived in January. He got that suspension after a pretty good debut against Fulham. So he missed a load of games. And in returning, so and we're not actually going to get a lot of him in a Chelsea shirt. So to make a concrete kind of um, answer and solution, and kind of and, and to say, yeah, he's he's amazing to spend 100 million on. I thought was always going to be a very difficult thing to firmly answer because it's you know if you're spending that much, you're thinking about a player for the long term. But unfortunately, just in terms of what I think about this, even if I'm going to say no, if it means losing Mason Mount, I do think those two things are connected. I really do. Because for a number of reasons, you know, firstly, I think that if you were going to invest in Joao Felix and given what's happened to him in his career since he moved to Atletico Madrid, I think he'd want to move somewhere where he feels he is going to be treated like a big player and a big part of a team as a creator. And I think that both of those players fill similar roles in the sense that they are connector players. I think they are players that want to receive the ball in between the lines. I think can very much link in with players around them and are very integral. That's what Mount is best is. And I think that's what Joao Felix is as well. Both of them at times can contribute goals too. I think maybe Felix is a little bit better in that aspect. Someone who is going to get in front of goal a lot more than Mason Mount does. I think Mount's best attributes is, is maybe from a creative aspect and sitting a little bit deeper. But both of those players, I think in the current formation would fill that role. You've also got to factor in that what does Mason Mount want for his career? I think that's a big discussion point too over his positioning, over what he sees at Chelsea, maybe being a little bit agitated with the way contract negotiations have been going. 
And then I think the last thing is when we're bringing in players like Christopher Nkunku, who, who can be referred to as a little bit of a positionless player, you know, where's he going to fit in to Chelsea's attack? What are you doing with Mikalo Mudrik, Nani Madawake, players that we've invested in for the long term? Kai Havertz, another player that you kind of factor in as, as a little bit off the striker. He isn't maybe going to play as a number nine to get the best out of him. All of those things for me factor in that if you're going to invest in Draft Felix, I think maybe you accept losing Mason Mount. I personally wouldn't. Spending over a hundred million on on Draft Felix when we spent a lot of money already also does feel a little bit galling. When you know, for me, if I'm investing that money smartly this summer, I wouldn't be doing it on him. I'd be doing it on a striker, and um, that's just my personal opinion. But Again, I want to make it clear, I think that he's done a lot of good and hopefully can do a bit more good before the end of this season, but I wouldn't lose Mason Mount for him. Stefanos asks, between Osserman and Gonzalo Ramos, who would you consider for the striker position in the summer? Or do you think we need a striker if we buy Draft Felix? Another Felix-related question there. I think for both of those strikers, I think Victor Osserman is going to be very unrealistic to get this, this summer based on Napoli's very hard negotiating, but they are top of Serie A. They look like they're going to win the league. They're in the Champions League quarterfinal for the first time. And the side of the draw they're in, you know, opposite to Chelsea, they've got an amazing chance to potentially get to the final and, and create even more history this season. So to buy him, I think, is unrealistic, especially as well, Chelsea unlikely to have Champions League football next season too. Gonzalo Ramos, um, would Benfica let another talented youngster go? This is someone who's, who's doing a lot of good things now for them in the, in the Champions League, in the league. And of course, had a, a brilliant influence for Portugal and that great performance where he scored a hat-trick, I think it was, against Switzerland in the World Cup so for me in the striker position in, in the summer I, I've talked about players like Tammy Abraham who Chelsea do have a buyback clause on who I think can develop and I think work well with players around them I really do think Tammy you know just the stats when he was here when he was a younger player proved that he can be you know productive and not prolific not the greatest striker you've ever seen and he isn't that right now but I think someone that can provide goals consistently which is what Chelsea have greatly lacked and, and I said it you can find a video way back in the spring of 2021 um, when I said you cannot let 15, 12 to 15 goals walk out the door if you don't replace them. And we didn't replace them. And I think you're seeing the impact of that now. Um, Ivan Tony has been, of course, talked about a Premier League option. There are others too. Marcus Taram. I think other people have kind of... T- I, I probably will do a video on this at some point. I also think in terms of the profile, in terms of maybe a younger player that could develop into a better striker in the upcoming years, Ramos would probably fit into that as well even though there isn't a massive sample size on him and I think even if we do buy draft Felix I think we would still need to sign a striker in my opinion because I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is likely to leave as well Amanda Breuer question mark over him you know we'll see how he's assessed when he gets back from his injury at the back end of this season so if we ask what do you think Chelsea should do after the international break to prepare for the Real Madrid game and for the remaining games Interesting question is based on the Premier League because I think a lot of people, including myself now, look at the Premier League. It's it's basically dead. And I think that Chelsea are likely to finish high as 7th, anywhere between 7th and maybe 11th or 10th, right? That's kind of where it's going to be for Chelsea this season. And I do understand the logic of people saying, if that's the case, why aren't you using the time, particularly in the Premier League, to you know, give minutes to Nordi Manawake, to give minutes to Mikhailo Mujic, to give minutes to players who are going to be here for the long term, not to those who are likely entering their final months as a Chelsea player. Whoever that is, whether you're referring to a Christian Pulisic, a Hakim Ziyech and a Bamiyang, you know, players of that ilk who won't be here beyond this year. And I absolutely understand that logic. But then there also is a balancing act, I think, for Graham Potter is that he's kind of found about nine players, I'd say at the moment, or 
a sizable bulk of players in the last three to four games that he has trusted. He's only making slight changes at the moment. Some of those have been enforced by injury. So in that sense, I think it's um, you want to have the balance that by the time you get to that Real Madrid game, those players aren't cold, but you want to keep some of them fresh. You know, N'Golo Kante, of course, is now back from injury. Reese James has had his injury problems. It's a difficult balancing act, but I absolutely think there is room to play some of those younger players in the league games because when you're so focused on that Champions League being kind of the, the big thing left to play for this season, I, I don't see the harm in rotating a little bit more in the league given it's not going to make a massive amount of difference uh, where Chelsea finish probably from this point of the season. And finally, Fred asked, do you think it's better to have a manager like Arteta who plays a similar formation lineup a majority of, a majority of the time or have a manager similar to Potter who is quite flexible and changes formation personnel often? I do think there is nuance within that because some of that comes into, you know, absolutely a coach's preference, but the form of the players and the opposition you're facing. I, I do think those three factors are very relevant in the modern game. And just because Arteta looks like he plays the same formation every single week, at times there will be variation in approach based on who Arsenal are coming up against and also based on injury. You know, I think that Arteta... It's not that he's he, you know, losing Gabriel Jesus was was a massive thing for them earlier in the season, and um, it, he, they've done so well, haven't they, to stay at the top of the league? But there were earlier points in Arteta's career when he didn't have the squad he wanted yet, where he was rotating, he was chopping and changing. Sometimes he was playing like a false nine out of nowhere, and then wasn't. And you know, it, it's earlier parts of his reign, as you saw with Pep Guardiola, as you saw with Jurgen Klopp, you know. Just because, you know, he's reached a stage now where he's found a group of players that he entrusts that are giving him those results. And just because that has happened in Graham Potter's career before, you know, his career tells us that he is a very flexible coach. That was kind of one of the hallmarks of what he did at Brighton and got him results. But at the same time, I think in recent weeks at Chelsea, you've seen that he has had a set group of players and worked with them. And I do think it is important in the modern game too, to be quite flexible. I really do. I think that if you're having larger squads, if you're having to deal with a load of fixtures in a short period of time, that's kind of, you are forced into doing that a lot more. But that doesn't mean you go radical all the time because I think that obviously doesn't create maybe the most consistent game plan for those players and, and maybe you see some of the fallout that Graham Potter has had in his first few months of Chelsea of, of seeing a team that looks like they don't have a lot of idea what they're doing on the ball, which is a massive problem. So I do think there is a nuance. I don't think it's you get one coach who only likes one style of play and is never going to you know sort of alter from that you do have people like that in the game you do have a Marcelo Bielsa you do have a Maurizio Sarri and I think Antonio Conte falls into that bracket but there is pitfalls to that because I think if you have a coach that wants to do that and your style of play gets found out quite easily and quite quickly you know I think it can become quite limited and you are left in a position where maybe that that sort of style of play has a ceiling on it when if you are a little bit more flexible, you can kind of argue that if you are a coach who is open to change, maybe that you do have a higher ceiling with what you can do with the squad in front of you. So I think it's a really interesting conversation. I think it's based on the squad they have in front of them. And I want to see more evidence from Graham Potter of, of whether he is going to stick like that. Because if he finds a set group of players that he sticks with, is it going to be that radically different? If he has a group of players, as we've seen in recent weeks, that he trusts, why would you change that if it's working? And I think Graham Potter has said as much in public in some press conferences earlier this season. But that is it for today's mailbag. Thank you guys so much for submitting your questions. Thank you for watching. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea, and I will see you again very soon. All the best.
Social Podcast Network.